You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Ain't No Seeds. What is good, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Ain't No Seats. We're here to break down a matchup between two teams that are coming off losses and two teams that kind of have quarterback questions right now. And um, in UCF, Central Florida is coming to Lawrence Saturday to play Kansas. And no get no better guest to get on than Brandon Helwig, who's covered um, UCF over on Rivals.com for well over 20 years now. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And how are you feeling about this UCF team currently? I Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Just, you know, obviously UCS first year in the Big 12 and just, you know, getting to know these different teams and these fan bases. I, I think I was on with your your colleague uh, called Manbeck a couple weeks ago for K-State. So that's just been a lot of fun from my perspective. Um, you guys, how am I feeling about UCF? This is a, this is an interesting week. It's kind of a crossroads in a way for, for this season for UCF and the Big 12. Two weeks ago, uh, Big 12 opener at Kansas State. Uh, you know, UCF was playing without starting quarterback John Rice Plumley, who got hurt very late in the game in week two at Boise State, which was a comeback uh, walk-off field goal win for UCF. So he hurt his knee. So he's been out the last few weeks. So UCF goes on the road to K-State. You know, they're, they're hanging in there. They take a lead in the third quarter. It was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. You know, the UCF's defense just really couldn't couldn't stop. They couldn't get off the field. Uh K-State's running back Giddens, he ran for like 200 yards and four touchdowns, was the Doak Walker National Player of the Week. So, you know, but, you know the, the moral of the story from that one is, yeah, UCF didn't win that game, but they hung in there. They they showed that they can play on the same field. Obviously, UCF wasn't full strength, and we get to last week, and UCF do a big deal, first home game against Baylor in the Big 12. A lot of hype about that. And if you're UCF, you're just kind of looking, well, this is a game that, you know, we should win. You know, Baylor's you know, they struggled in the early part of this season. Um, yeah, they had some issues at quarterback injuries, although Blake Shapin did come back for this one. And it, it looked like a blowout. I mean, it was 35 to 7, and it was 35 to 10 entering the fourth quarter. And, it, you know, it's Florida. You know, whether, you know, there's been some stuff said about the fan base this week because. A lot, a lot of the students and a lot of the other fans, they left in the fourth quarter when it was 35 to 10. They've been tailgating all day. They've been in the hot sun. They're like, I'm going to beat the traffic and go home. And nobody thought what was going to happen actually happened. Baylor scored 29 unanswered points. They were just all, everything that could have gone wrong for UCF went wrong. And somehow a game that they were leading 35 to 10 in the fourth quarter, they lost to Baylor. It's just one of those stunning games that you just couldn't believe it with your own eyes. So how am I feeling about UCF? I really don't know right now. This is, this is an important game for UCF to kind of, you know, get back on track and, and to maybe, you know, have some juice going into the big 12 schedule. But if you lose this one, you, you have a bye week and then you're on the road to Oklahoma and that's not going to be easy. I mean, you could be looking at an 0-4 start if you can't find a, win, a way to win at Kansas. So this is a really big week for UCF. Yeah, the, that Baylor game is wild. I was down in Austin for the KU-Texas game, and I saw the score 35-7. And one of the guys that's on this podcast texted me and said, holy cuss word, UCF. And I was like, what? And I kind of watched the highlights last night. And when they kicked the field goal 35-10, it's like the announcers, there's no enthusiasm. The stadium's dead. I feel like no one's worried about it at all. And then, yeah, a bunch of crazy stuff starts happening. Scoop and score. Um, it was obviously just wild. But, yeah, like you said, the K-State game, they took the lead. They were It was tied at 24. They had a third and sixth. Uh, they got a stop. They got a roughing the passer call. Yeah. The K-State game, that score is a little – it's much different. Um, it's a much different game than the score shows. And then the Baylor game, they obviously should have won. Um, you talked about you talked about the bye week coming up, and that that had me wondering about John Rice Plumley. Obviously, you can kind of look at it two different ways. You can you probably maybe need to win this game to go bowling, or at least give yourself a great chance. So maybe you rush him back, or do you rest him and then give him two full weeks to get hundred percent? Yeah, I mean we're gonna find out, I guess. You know, when it comes to game day, because. 
you know, UCF never really came out and, you know, specifically said what his injury was, but we're pretty sure he's dealing with a, a ligament strain in his knee, which is a similar injury to what Blake Shapin and Baylor have been dealing with. And just depending on the severity and the, you know, it can kind of vary in terms of, you know, when you can come back and, you know, I don't know if it'll be a hundred percent, but we were told after the game on Saturday by Gus Malzahn that he had actually just been cleared the day before this past Friday, but he, you know, he hadn't gone through practice. I don't know what cleared really means exactly. Cleared probably doesn't mean he's a hundred percent Cleared Just means he can start to do so. Yeah. You know, so we're not really sure where he's going to be. He's been practicing this week. Um, I don't think we're going to be told whether he's playing or starting or not playing. It'll be something that I'm fairly positive that Gus Belzalon keeps close to the vest. And you know, we may not know until warmups on Saturday whether he's going to give it a go. But I have a feeling that he is going to do everything in his power to get back out there. He is he is a, a, a senior. This football team and this season is very important to him. This is his final season of eligibility. You know, yeah, obviously John Rice and everyone part of this team feels like you know they were kind of, you know, you know, kind of overlooked a little bit in, in the Big 12 going into this season because I know UCF sort of feels, at least when you talk about these four newcomer schools, they kind of felt they're in the best position to, you know, I mean, make some noise to be kind of a sleeper team in this Big 12. And it's just been killing John Rice that he hasn't been out there. So, you know, we'll see if his knee holds up. Now, you're right. There is a bye week. And, you know, if, if he doesn't play, he'd have that much longer to get ready for the Oklahoma game. Another thing I'm kind of wondering about, Kansas plays on turf, on, on field turf. And so, you know, that can be a little spongy. I'm not sure how Kansas turf is particularly what, you know, specifically if there's some weird quirks about it. But, you know, when you're dealing with a knee injury and stuff, you know, Oklahoma plays on grass. You know, I don't know if that plays into the decision or not, but we'll find out. Uh, now, UCF, if he doesn't go, Timmy Timmy McLean has been the backup and he started the last few games. Um, UCF has, you know, done okay offensively, I want to say. You know, but he's, there was some, I mean, this Baylor game, you can point to a lot of different reasons why UCF lost. There were drives that stalled. There were turnovers. One of them was a critical, you talked about a scoop and score. That wasn't, had anything to do with Timmy McClain, but there was an interception he threw in the red zone that if UCF scores or or he doesn't turn it over, they kick a field goal, they probably still win the game. So he made some mistakes there. There was bad miscues on special teams. You know, defense couldn't stop Baylor in the fourth quarter. But but Timmy McLean, he's not John Rice Plumley. He's he's done an admirable job given the circumstances. Um, but I think UCF would would love to have John Rice for this game because, like I said, this is a big game. If UCF wants to make a bowl game and, and try to make some noise in their first Big Twelve year, this is kind of like a must win. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought up um, Timmy McLean because. I've, I'm on, I'm a diehard KU fan, so I'm all all over the message boards looking at what people are saying, and people were kind of saying that UCF hasn't really skipped a beat without John Rice Plumley just from an offensive standpoint, explosiveness, and I feel like people kind of forget John Rice Plumley just from a rushing standpoint, how dynamic he is. I mean, it's a guy that rushed for over 800 yards last year. He was a quarterback in the SEC. So I guess just talk about, and we're not here to disrespect Timmy McLean. I think he's been solid. He had a great game against um, Nova. He was, like you said, he was in the game against Kansas State. That was a tight game. Just tell us how big of a difference um, this offense can go from by being led from John Rice Plumley to Timmy McLean. Yeah, and you know that's still kind of an unknown question because yeah, think about John Rice Plumley. He's he's played college football uh, for a while. I think is. First year at, at Ole Miss, I think it was in 2019. So he's he's an experienced player in some respects because of his age, but he's not as experienced as he started quarterback. Before he transferred to UCF at Ole Miss, you know, Lane Kiffin came in, you know, Matt Corral was their starting quarterback. John Rice Plumley had moved to wide receiver. So when he transferred to UCF prior to the 2022 season to play quarterback, he had never really been a full-time starting quarterback. Now, he did play quarterback a little bit as a true freshman at Ole Miss. He had been a backup and a reserve. But last year was really his first full season being a starter. So he's he's learning and adjusting on the fly. He's reading defense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that he really hadn't done before. He was doing just for the first time last year. And so there were some parts of his game he knew he had to improve it. Obviously, you mentioned he's a running threat. So that's always one of those things with those types of quarterbacks. Like, you know, are they going to scan the field? Are they going to, 
you know, be maybe be patient in the pocket and, and you know find the open guy, or is he just going to take off and start running? And so that's kind of that fine line with him. Yeah, he could take off and, and make a play and start running, but you know maybe his awareness and, and pocket presence has to improve. So there were a lot of like you know, UCF brought in a new offensive coordinator, uh, brought in a new quarterback coach that was working with them. So we only saw John Rice so far. We saw him against Kent State in the season opener, and then they were you know heavily outmatched. I mean UCF killed those guys, and then Boise. And the Boise game was one of those games that was close. It shouldn't have been. And that had nothing to do with John Rice Plumley. Like I said, there were some crazy plays against Baylor that enabled them to come back. There were some crazy plays in the Boise game that kept Boise in it. There were two times that UCF was going to score a touchdown, and they threw it to their top two receivers and guys who typically catch the ball. And for some reason, the ball comes to them. It hits them in the hands. It hits them in the chest, whatever. They don't catch it. The ball goes up, you know, they they deflect the ball up in the air and the Boise State defender was in the ex, you know, exact spot he needed to be to pick off the pass. So you go from two touchdowns to two interceptions and you scored no points. So that game shouldn't have really been a game. But we haven't seen, you know, I'm kind of anxious to see what a healthy John Rice Plumley looks against the real defense. We haven't seen him against the real Big 12 level defense. But if, if he's able to, you know, the thing that I think he's going to do He's going to bring to the table that maybe Timmy McLean is still kind of learning. Is he's? I think he's going to make smarter, smarter decisions. He's got. There were some times that Timmy McLean, you know, throwing the ball clearly where he shouldn't. You know, he was in the Kansas State. I know you you brought up some some issues in that game, but you know, he's running backwards. He's taking sacks. There's just some of these awareness issues that he kind of struggles with. At the same time, Timmy McLean is probably the better deep ball thrower compared to Plumley, and he's had some plays. I think the play, the the pass that UCF had to, to take the lead against K-State in the second half, that was a fantastic throw. You know, there's some throws that he can make. I'm not sure John Rice can. So I'll be, I'll be interested. Obviously, we're anxious to see who plays on, on, on Saturday, but I know for, for UCF's chances to kind of compete in this first Big 12 season, they're really hoping to get back, you know, John Rice plum, plumly sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. So you, you brought up those receivers, and I want to get into them. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about one of our sponsors, Homefield Apparel. We love them so much. They take care of us. Any there, any school that you like, they're going to have elite stuff because their designs are great. Their stuff's really comfortable. Um, everything we get from them, we love because it's comfortable. Like I said, uh, the does the designs are great. The um, website is Homefield Apparel, and you can get fifteen percent off. Um, no seats twenty three is the code right now. We. We really appreciate Homefield. Like we talk about it all the time, how well they take care of us and how elite their designs are. And just any school they put out there is great. And we love them. So go check them out homefieldapparel.com, no seats 23 at checkout. Let's take a break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. So you brought up the receivers against Boise State. Obviously, that game was at Boise. Um, they got Kobe Hudson, guy that has 21 catches, 468 yards, and two touchdowns. Big-time recruit, especially according to your site, Rivals.com. Um, him and Javon Baker, who we'll talk about, were both top 120 national recruits coming out. Kobe Hudson obviously committed to Auburn. Javon Baker committed to Bama. Those are two dudes that actually played receiver at those schools, you know, those schools are pretty good at football, and they have some pretty good depth. So just getting playing time at those schools is crazy. But Kobe Hudson, he's had three big-time games this year, three games over 100 yards receiving. Seems to be at least Timmy McLean's favorite target. He had nine targets against Nova, six targets against Boise, and he seems to come down with every single target. Can you talk about um, Kobe Hudson and how much he's progressed this year? Yeah, you, you mentioned you know Kobe Hudson and Javon Baker, just where they came from, and that's – you know, Gus Malzahn obviously had been at Auburn. He recruited Kobe Hudson to Auburn, and I think he led them. I think Kobe might have been their leading receiver in 2020. And, uh, you know, new coaching staff comes in, you know, didn't see eye to eye. You know, Gus comes to UCF, and so Kobe kind of followed him here. Um, you know, last year was his first year at UCF. Uh, you know, maybe... You know, he was definitely, you know, one of UCF's top two or three receivers. But I think Kobe didn't really have the kind of year that he envisioned. But, you know, as you mentioned, he's off to a fantastic start this year. He had a trio, I think, three consecutive games with more than 100 receiving yards. Now, last week against Baylor, for some reason, he just didn't get the ball. He just wasn't involved in the passing game at all, whether it was 
flow of the game. Was he open, not open? I don't know. Uh, I think he only had one catch last week, but he he had been clearly Timmy McLean's favorite target in the previous three games. So he's been a fantastic. He's he's more of that deep threat, and I think that's one reason, obviously, why his yards or, or why he was you know, had such a commanding lead in in receiving yardage. That I mentioned, Timmy McLean has a propensity to like to throw the deep ball, and he's very accurate with it. And Kobe is usually the the recipient when it comes to those deep balls. But yeah, he's he's a guy that you know we've heard has you know maybe was a little bit immature and, you know, some stuff when he came in, but now that he's older, more experienced, he's putting in the work, you know, he's working to improve himself as a blocking receiver. And so that's a guy, you know, those guys are going to have, if UCF wants to beat Kansas, you know, they're going to have to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to give the listener kind of a recap of what this kid is capable of. He had five catches for 134 yards at Boise, six catches for 147 yards uh, versus Villanova. And then five catches, 138 yards, two touchdowns at K-State. Like Brandon said, he had a big year at Auburn, six, close to 600 yards receiving. And then Javon Baker, let's touch on him just really quickly. Last year, 56 catches, 796 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. Played at Bama, committed there out of high school. This year, he's got 17 catches for 332 yards and two touchdowns, including a 65-yard TD on Saturday against Baylor. Can you kind of touch on him a little bit? Yeah, you know, Baker, if you would have asked me before the season, and it's kind of always been, you know, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, kind of 1A and 1B when you, but I probably would, if you would ask me to pick one or the other who I think was going to have the the bigger season statistically, I probably would have guessed Javon Baker. He had a better season last year than I think Kobe did. He's usually, you know, sure-handed. You know, there's, I think one of the players said one time, you know, they call him 50-50 balls. Well, when you throw it to Javon, it's more like a 75-25 ball. You know, 75% chance he's going to bring it down. Um, he's got a little bit of a slower start this year. You know, I don't know if it's just, you know, change of quarterback because I think, yeah, I think he was more of, maybe more of a John Rice target than it seems like maybe Kobe Hudson's been more of a Timmy McLean target. But uh, both those guys are clearly lead the receiving court. And another guy, that I got to bring up, I don't know, maybe you're about to, is Xavier Townsend. He's a sophomore, and I think he's UCF's third receiver right now uh, in terms of stats. And and he's, those are really the main guys. I, I I was looking at Kansas. It seems like they spread the ball maybe a little bit more, but with UCF, it's those three guys get the vast majority of, of balls thrown their way. Yeah, I guess with Kansas, for UCF fans listening, I mean, it's Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, Quinn Skinner, Mason Fairchild, who... Our fans had high hopes for this year, and he's still a good player. Expected him to be involved a little more this year. So him, obviously those three receivers, and then you have a great one-two punch in the backfield. And obviously we have our own QB questions right now that we can get into later. But I wanted to talk about the backfield a little bit. Obviously R.J. Harvey's getting a bulk of the carries, and then Johnny Richardson, who has 28 less carries than R.J. Harvey, but more rushing yards. He's averaging um, 8.8 a pop. He, I think both are can break one at any time. So can you kind of touch on that one-two punch in the back? Yeah, yeah. Um, R.J. Harvey is, you know, he used to have last year had Isaiah Bowser. He was kind of a big kind of bruising running back, was kind of their top guy. You know, he graduated. So R.J. Harvey had a huge year last year. What's what's kind of remarkable about R.J. is that he's a former high, a former high school quarterback, and he's also had come off, you know, a bad knee injury. He tore his ACL you know, before that 2021 season. So he missed all that year and then came back last year. And, and some people said, you know, he was he was running faster maybe with a brace on in spring than he was, you know, before he got hurt. So he's kind of that blend of, you know, a bigger guy, you know, speed and, you know, size and power. Um, so he's been UCF's number one option in terms of, of running back. And they'll use him in, in the Wildcat quite a bit, actually. Some fans think it's a little, they're using a bit too much because two times they used them in the Wildcat resulted in two turnovers. One of them was a, a crucial at, at Kansas State. Uh, you know, I think he had already run for a first down. He was kind of trying, you know, trying to pop through a pile or whatever, and the ball comes out. And then the one that's really glaring that really just changed the, the game completely against Baylor is that he was lining up as a Wildcat quarterback. They stopped the ball. He's whatever he's not his he took his eye off the ball when it's coming to him and he totally mishandled the snap so the ball is on the ground it kind of squirts out you know even you know further away uh, before you know it Baylor guy's picking it up and is running it back for a touchdown and that's if there's one play you had to point at last week that's the reason Baylor won that's probably it so yeah. a lot of fans are wondering this week like what's up with this you know that's a that's a Gus Malzahn thing um you know he's he was in it he was innovative offensively 
in a lot of ways, if you're not totally familiar with his background, you know, he was came up through the high school ranks in Springdale, Arkansas. I mean, he wrote a book about, you know, you know, the t- tempo, no huddle uh, offense, hurry up offense. And uh, he also was big when he was an assistant coach at Arkansas and kind of bringing the wildcat kind of, you know, ma- making it, it popular to run. Like he had to get Darren McFadden and, and some other guys in Arkansas. And they did that a lot. I think it might've been 06, 07 timeframe. So that's kind of been something that's been linked, you know, to Gus Malzahn through the years. And I think he just is a big fan of, of running stuff out of that. But Johnny Richardson, you mentioned, you know, a lot of fans are wondering, why isn't he getting more more touches? He's, you know, he's got a lot less carries, but he's got more yards. I, I think last week is one of those things, you know, we keep talking about Baylor, but the very first play from scrimmage for UCF on offense, he runs it back for a 79-yard touchdown. Just, 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 you know, I'm at the other end of the end zone. All of a sudden, he's just coming out. There's no one around him. I mean, he just outruns everybody. I mean, he has that home run threat speed. I mean, he's a smaller back. He's not... He's not as big and physical as an R.J. Harvey, but if he gets a crease, if he gets a hole, he's gone. And so he's had a lot of explosive plays in this Big 12 play for UCF. So a lot of fans are kind of wondering, why are we seeing more of Johnny Richardson? Who knows? Maybe we will on, on Saturday. But you mentioned, yeah, those are definitely you know the top top two guys for for UCF at running back. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about R.J. Harvey and the bulk of the carries, and Johnny Richardson has two 100-plus yard games without getting a ton of touches. So... Super impressive, getting 8.8 a pop right now. Talked about Gus Malzahn, and I listened to a lot of stuff he said um, the other day, and just talked about John Rice Plumley obviously practicing this week. But one thing that really stuck out was, and I didn't know much about this because, like I said, I didn't watch the Baylor game. I feel bad for UCF fans that they keep having to hear about this game, but it's okay. he talked to, he talked about how banged up they are. They lost their starting center uh, due to an injury late in the third quarter. But outside of him, I don't know a ton about the injury situation outside of John Rice Plumley. obviously. Can you kind of talk about how banged up they truly are and what key guys they could be? Yeah, I mean, I just think at this stage, it's kind of just football season banged up. I mean, it's not, other than John Rice, who's been you know completely out with a knee injury, it's just, uh, they're starting out, well, center. center's been a position that's, yeah, obviously UCF was breaking in a new center. They thought it was going to be a guy named Drake Medcalf. He was a transfer from Stanford. He starts the season and he has issues. He's a couple of times he falls start. There was one time he snapped the ball and he shouldn't have. So they got really frustrated with him. And it's interesting because they yanked him out really quickly after, I think it was the second, uh, third game. So he, he's been yanked out and hasn't played since. And so they put in and the guy who probably would have been backup center, I think he was kind of banged up for a game or two. So they put in, you know, the guy who we thought was the third string, who was a redshirt freshman. So he had been starting at center. Has done a pretty good job. Um, at some point in the Baylor game, I think he, you know, maybe sprained his ankle. I mean, I'm not sure. He just had his ankle and eye. So then they they put in this other guy. It's, it's just kind of stuff like that. Now, the biggest, the biggest one that I think has not been 100% is Probably UCF's best defensive lineman is Ricky Barber, defensive tackle, the most experienced guy on that side of the ball. He has played against K-State and Baylor, but very limited reps were not, you know, they haven't said exactly what his issue is. I think it's an ankle or something, but he played limited snaps against K-State, limited against Baylor. They only played like maybe 10 plays of the whole game, just kind of pulled himself out because he wasn't feeling good out there. So that's been the biggest one that's been hobbled. You know, we'll see if he's any better this week. You know, it'll benefit all those guys that have a bye week after this one and get ready for the rest of the conference season. But there have just been some guys who have just been kind of, you know, there was when the UCF safeties, Quadric Bullard, you know, kind of went out late in the game and just just kind of football stuff right now. But as far as we know, nothing major made. There's a tight end that had been out, but then he came back this last game. But other than John Rice, that's been the biggest one to note so far. Okay, yeah, I'm, I've been wondering about the defense. I truly don't know a ton about UCF's defense. I know... This isn't too crazy, but they've given up three 100-plus-yard rushers this year. You talked about DJ Giddens in the big game he had, carrying it and catching it out of the backfield. And then Richard Grease had 100 on the dot last week, and then they gave up, um, forget the Boise State running back's name. Genty, Genty, yeah. He had 24 for 115. So just don't know a ton about this UCF defense. I don't know if I I know know a ton about the UCF defense, to be (laughs) honest, because, you know, it's just part of, you know, when you get to a season, it's all about level of competition and it's really hard. You know, you can't look at stats. I mean, you do, but you don't, you know, 
you said it starts off with Kent State and you know Boise State. Although yeah, he did run for a lot. The, other than that, the defense looked really good against Boise. But then again, this isn't the Boise of a few years ago. Boise's kind of taken a step down, honestly, the last few years. Um, and then we get to uh, you know Villanova, and you know that's you know they were holding. I forgot what this that was. I think they held Villanova to like eight passing yards in the first half or something. I mean, it just, it's, you can't even look at those at that kind of game. So. I think well UCF has a new defensive coordinator this year, Addison Williams. He's been on staff though with Gus the last couple of years as secondary coach, got the promotion to DC. You know, they they have guys returning. They brought in a bunch of transfers, but it turns out the transfers really aren't contributing as much as people probably would have predicted when they recruited them. So it's still mostly the same guys. Linebacker is a major weakness. Um, defensive line is considered the strength. Although I said, you know, Ricky Barber, one of their better guys has kind of been banged up the last couple of weeks. Secondary has a lot of, a lot of guys are still trying to kind of find their way. I, I think that play has been okay, but it's just these past couple of, you mentioned like, you know, K-State 200 plus yards for Giddens. I think he was a Doak Walker national running back of the week or whatever. So Fort that wasn't. That wasn't a great performance. Uh, just could not get off the field. I mean, they just could not. Say, and it wasn't like Kansas State had big chunk plays. or I mean, it was just methodically. Yeah, I think I saw one of their guys tweet something that said he couldn't even, you know, going through, you know, the, the individual box scores through the years. I think some of this stuff may only go back, you know, since the late 90s, early 2000s. He could, I think, K-State might have broken like a first down record, I think, against the UCF. Uh, and then Baylor. I mean, think of in this the thing that was weird about the Baylor game is that while UCF got to a big lead and it looked like it was a dominant, it was a dominating score, but I'm not sure it was a dominating performance. Cause a lot of those, a lot of the scores for UCF were just quick. There was, like I said, that first play from scrimmage was a touchdown. There was another bomb for a touchdown. There was a fumble that UCF forced and they returned that for a touchdown. So that was three of the scores. It wasn't, wasn't like UCF just kind of dominated every. They just well, they scored. That was basically it. They just scored really quickly, and so the defense was on the field a lot. Yeah, I have to now I'm in front of you, but I know the time of position discrepancy in the first half, especially, was really slanted towards Baylor. Even though UCF had the huge lead, so by the time we got to the second half in the fourth quarter, a defense that was already questionable was really gassed, and so I think that also played a big factor in why Baylor was able to come back. So. Yeah, like I said, I I don't know a whole lot myself. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a big question to see, you know, whether you know Jalen Daniels. Yeah, it's that's kind of a big deal, I think, for UCF. I mean, not obviously KU has a um, experienced backup if if, it's, if Bean goes again, but I think UCF would would like to get the benefit of maybe not playing the preseason offensive player of the year because I think every every week it's been a question at quarterback. There was Will Howard. At KC, there's they didn't think he was going to play against UCF, and he did, and he had a great game. And Blake Shapin came back for Baylor when he had been out for the last few weeks, and after a rocky start, he had a pretty good game. So I think UCF is hoping maybe Jalen Daniels back kind of stays stiff for another week. Yeah, I just I think there's so many question marks with this UCF team. Like you obviously cover the team, and you're not sure on some of the things or if they're good yet or what. But I think they're just a sneakily good football team, and I think Vegas kind of agrees. Obviously, they they have the spread at KU minus two, a team that made a bowl game last year. I'm not saying they're amazing. Um, they started 4-0. They were just ranked. But UCF with QB questions and a little banged up, as Malzahn says, is only a two-point dog on Saturday. And, I mean, Blake Shapin and um, Will Howard, too, the guys that have been around, they've pretty damn good quarterbacks. So I don't, I don't really know how to judge this team, and we talked about it. The two losses were Kansas State, which they gave up a legendary performance to – Giddens, who had four touchdowns. We know he had 200 rushing yards. He had like 80-plus receiving, too. Um, and then Baylor, 35-7, to and then 35-10 to with like 17 minutes left. So the two, the K-State lost, I guess it looks decently bad from a scoreboard perspective, but they were right in that game. You take that roughing the passer call away or, I don't know, um, you slow down Giddens from having the best – running back performance ever and then you finish against Baylor you don't turn it over a couple times in their territory they'd be fine but I think UCF sneakily a good team they might have some question marks but Vegas agrees with me I think and I think KU fan I really think this could be a toss-up on Saturday we um let's take a quick break but let's finish um talking UCF after the break Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network make sure you download our new app find it on the App Store or Google Play 
Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They they also have a vet, I guess, maybe not a vet QB, but he's been, he had a good year last year. They have a proven head coach. So I think UCF's a solid squad. And like you said, they are they might be desperate at this point. They might rush back plumbly, um, but they have to win, like you said. And I purposely waited to bring this game up. If you guys want to get mad, mad uh, blame Brandon for bringing it up early. He kind of had to, but obviously Baylor 35-7 lead on Saturday. They kicked a field goal to make it a four-score game still, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, but let's just let's talk about the, te- the team um, after that game. You obviously cover the team. You're around it. Do you think this is a situation where they rise up, John Rice Plumley gets them fired up if he plays, or is this a loss that could kind of demoralize the team? It could go either way. I mean, it kind of <laughs> illustrated the directions it could go. I mean, this is a crossroads. I mean, this is a really important moment for the season for UCF because I think their their schedule is kind of top heavy. You know, it starts out top heavy in terms of the Big Twelve schedule, and they also, you know, they have the you know breakdown of having to go on the road five times in the Big Twelve. And if they don't win this one, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe with you know OU after the bye week just to become bowl eligible, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I mean, we had, you know, press availability on Monday and, you know, they kind of bring out, you know, this, you know, kind of the two older players that, you know, they're just kind of giving you a little player speak. We call it coach speak. And it's also player speak. And they talk about, oh, we put it behind us and all this stuff. I, I don't know if I buy that sometimes. Um, I mean, of, of all the games, all the UC, I've seen some absolutely stunning UCF games. And, and there's the games that UCF won. They, there was kind of a similar game in terms of a, a huge deficit. You know, 10 years ago, UCF went on the road to Louisville. That's when they had Charlie Strong and Teddy Bridgewater. And they were, I think they were like sixth or seventh in the country. And UCF kind of got down like a Baylor did and, and just had this miraculous comeback, you know, one on when the last plays of the game and, and kind of was a, a real stunning moment, you know, I'm for positive for UCF. And this is kind of the opposite. So they could go either direction. This is an important week for Gus Malzahn to kind of you know keep everyone believing. And and I can tell you what, if John John Rice is, you know, we've talked about him as a quarterback, but he's got tremendous charisma. He is a team. He is like the leader of the team. So he's a guy that's going to give a great speech. He's going to get, you know, he's going to have people ready to, you know, run through a brick wall to 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 play for him. So I think if he's back, you know, I whether you know you. 
kind of overemphasize or overhype aspects like that. I don't know if it really makes a difference, but I think guys are really going to be, I think it's going to give them a lot of, you know, needed extra juice if they know John Rice Plumley is back and playing this week. Yeah, so there's there's question marks on the UCF defense, but I think maybe they're good questions. Just you don't know if they're good or not yet. I mean, we're still really early into the season. KU's offense is obviously pretty dynamic, except in Austin last week. But Andy Goldenick, he's a great play caller. Jalen Daniels, no idea if he's going to play. KU keeps things pretty close to best. But our backfield's really good. Two studs and um, Devin Neal, Daniel Highshaw. So what... Um, what problems do you think this KU offense could create for UCF, UCF's defense? Yeah, I, kind of, you know, what we've sort of, on the same vein, what we've been talking about, you know, UCF stopping the run. I mean, they haven't really done a great job of that, to put it mildly. And, uh, yeah, that's that's something I'm sure that you, that KU is going to try to try to exploit on Saturday. And sometimes these these passes through the middle, these slants, these these linebackers, it's linebackers not a very it's not a great position for UCF right now. I feel like they have one player, Jason Johnson, who's okay, who's all right, maybe a little bit above average. Uh, some of the other linebackers, they've been trying, they've been struggling at that spot, so they've kind of been hurt, you know, with plays in the middle of the field, tight ends and what have you, uh, and you know, stopping running backs, you know, from having a two hundred yard games. Uh, so that's been an issue, and and that's. What I think, you know, if if Kansas will will probably try to exploit against UCF's defense, like I guess like we're we're still kind of wondering what defense is is going to show up. Is this just a mediocre defense? Do they have the ability? Are they going to be a little bit better than that, or is this just a bad defense? Like, a, we'll know a lot more these next couple weeks. Yeah. So I want I guess I wanted to touch on the quarterback situation for UCF one more time, and I just maybe from your standpoint or from a fan standpoint. Is it really that much of a difference between John Rice Plumley and Timmy McLean, or does the staff and the fans feel pretty comfortable no matter who's behind center? You know, I if you would have asked me this before Baylor, I would have said they would be pretty comfortable. Um, I just think that now that we've had back there, like I said, Timmy's done some good things, and he's he's he can throw the deep ball, he can make some he can make some wow plays, but then he does plays where you're just like scratching your head like what are you doing like why'd you do that like why'd you run backwards 12 yards and take a sack when you could have thrown it away and then when he tries to throw it away why did you throw it right to where there were a bunch of defenders and there's no receiver um so i i think i think fans are kind of getting a little antsy or a little you know i think people were you know how it is when you have a backup quarterback everyone always is excited they want to see how they play i think for a lot of ucf people you know, this was going to be John Rice Plumley's final year. So people want to see the backup. Like, is Timmy McClain, is he a guy that could be the quarterback of the future? Does he have a chance to earn the job, you know, next year when it's a wide open competition? So a lot of people were excited to see him play. He's a name in Central Florida in the area. He played for one of the best high schools, Sanford Seminole. He won 40 plus games through his high school career, won a state championship. He initially played at South Florida, UCF's rival, Warren I-4. Maybe you guys have somewhat familiar with it it's been you know I know you guys have Kansas State and Missouri kind of rivals it's been for UCF it's been South Florida so he started there a couple years ago you know they brought in a transfer from Baylor kind of demoted him prior to last season so he transferred to UCF last year and had to sit out so you know he's a lot of people know who he is they're familiar with him from high school actually almost beat UCF a couple years ago in the bounce house when he was the quarterback at South Florida almost came down the down the field and almost almost beat UCF in their final drive uh, two years ago. But, you know, if you would ask UCF fans now, I mean, I just think, I think people know, they, I think there's, you know what you're going to get more with John Rice Plumbing than you do with with, with, with Timmy, Timmy McLean. And if John Rice has made the improvement, like everyone said that he did going into this season, yeah, I think everyone's just ready for John Rice to come back. And, and hopefully, you know, it's this week. Yeah, obviously, you talked about Timmy McLean and his decision making and some of the things he can make happen. Though that that Baylor game, obviously, where he ran to the back of the end zone. Almost. Oh yeah, that, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, that would have been like the like <laughs> coolest thing to hype if Yusuf would have actually won the game. I mean, that would have been an amazing play. I mean, I mean, it gave Yusuf a chance, I guess. You know, and you know, and there were some plays there, like you know, you you ran it. You I think you had no more timeouts, and there was. I think he he threw a short pass to a guy that wasn't even close to going getting out of bounds. Like they shouldn't have thrown that. Like yeah. you're trying to preserve. And so with that, when that play happened, they had no choice but then I think kick a 59 yard field goal, which was 
going to be tough, but I think there was maybe a better chance you could possibly do that than the Hail Mary. So, you know, the, the, yeah, there were some decisions. There were some questionable decisions at times from him. Yeah, and we, uh, Eric Collins was on the call at TV. We're huge fans of him on this podcast, and he, I thought he was going to have a stroke when Timmy McClain did that. If you get the chance to go... I, I, I actually, I want, that was a great call. I was yeah. like, that was amazing. That was a lot of excitement and emotion. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the Hornets announcer. I don't know. I'm sure you know that, but he was, he lost his mind, but yeah, Timmy McLean, he's capable of doing stuff like that. If you want to go watch that replay, I'm sure UCF fans, you don't really want to, but KU fans, if you want to see what he's capable of, but I just, I wanted to quickly touch on him as a runner. Cause he's obviously athletic. Um, and John Rice Plumley, he rushed for over 800 yards last year. I talked about that. And with malls on, I feel like you always think of a running quarterback. I remember Nick Marshall at Auburn um, and Plumlee Cam last Newton. year. Cam yeah. Newton, when, yeah, when Gus was OC back then, won national yeah. championship with him, yeah. When Chiswick was that, yeah. So I guess McLean is a runner. He hasn't been great so far. I don't really know his stats. Yeah, you know, you know, I don't know if I'd call him. I mean, he, I mean, most quarterbacks these days can run. I think he's one of those quarterbacks that can run, but it's not a prominent part of his skill set. He's more of a guy that's going to look to make a play first throwing the ball than he will running the ball. He can't. I, I think Plumlee, it's one of those things that it's it's right up. That's probably what he does best is his, his elusiveness, his, his, you know, whether it's a design play or just you know making something happen when something breaks down. I mean, he he is a runner. He is a fantastic athlete. I think with, with Timmy, it's more of just something he can do, and it's just I think he's a guy that's more of a pass first and, and will look down the field to, to make a play, as you saw he could he can elude he could he could sort of I, I think I think the offensive coordinator for UCF he, I think he used the word fr- freelance he kind of he kind of will will be freelancing at times and then you know backyard football kind of crazy stuff but then he'll find a way to make to make a play and that's kind of what you were describing with that that one highlight yeah so let's talk about UCF their football program like as a big picture so I've seen I'm trying to research these new Big 12 teams as much as I can. We played BYU a few weeks ago, and that was interesting to learn more about them and their fans showed out Lawrence. But I want to talk about the big picture with UCF, and I've seen a lot of people say that UCF, their fans, their staff, they truly believe that they can be one of the top-tier programs in this league. I think it would be pretty, uh, I guess, appealing to recruit to that campus. Um, So can you just talk about UCF, Looking down the road, and do you truly believe that statement that they could be one of the better teams in the league? Yeah, I mean, for UCF, I mean, this is, it's kind of an amazing story. Just the, the journey is going to be that's the youngest university in Power Five, founded in 1963, didn't play football until 1979, but then it was Division Three, Division Two, One AA. They weren't part of FBS until 1996. And then it was just kind of, you know, rising up through that level. You know, it was an independent with Dante Culpepper in the late 90s. You know, he was, you know, being a first-round draft pick, had a nice, you know, little career with Minnesota Vikings. And then they joined the, I mean, I don't know if, if, how many people nationally remember this. UCF was in the Mid-American Conference as a football-only member. You know, schools from Ohio and Michigan, you know, played in the MAC in the early 2000s and, you know, Conference USA, the American, and obviously now to the Big 12. So they... They've kind of you know steadily built the program. The fan base has grown right along with it. UCF is a huge school, a huge enrollment. Um, yeah, I think it's largest in the in the country now. Uh, the one thing that I think the the kind of said the that set the trajectory in motion was opening an on campus stadium in 2007. That just really galvanized the community, the you know alumni, the student body. You know, UCF hadn't been playing at the Citrus Bowl, which is kind of an old decrepit stadium downtown. It's, just, it's kind of hard to build, you know, when you don't have a campus stadium, that's just such a tough thing. And so that kind of set the wheels in motion. You know, there was that 2013 season that UCF ended, I think, ranked number 10, beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a huge moment. There was the undefeated streak, uh, 17 and 18. You know, Scott Frost in 2017, you know, UCF... Um, Behind national me. They were na- national champions, McKenzie Milton quarterback. Uh, so there, there's been a lot of great moments here that I kind of think got UCF in into the Big 12. But looking forward, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, you're you're in Florida. You're you know arguably the best recruiting state in the nation, and you know Gus Malzahn is a great is a great recruiter. And I think right now, I think UCF had 
the top rated class in the Big 12, maybe Texas. I mean, it's all on paper right now. Anyway, nobody's signed, but UCF is, is on track to sign one of the top classes in this new Big 12, and they're recruiting players, and they're getting you know more four-star players than they ever have. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's Big 12 is a big reason for that. But yeah, with the way they're they're recruiting, I mean, it's it's easy to see that you know once Texas and OU leave, I know the teams are coming in from the pack next year, but there's really no reason not to think that UCF will be a factor in this league going forward. Yeah, we just we have this conversation all the time because on this podcast because obviously Texas and OU are leaving after the season, just trying to think of who can be the top tier programs in the league, and we get our hopes up that it could be KU if Lance Leipold sticks around. I think they have a chance. K State's going to be pretty good for a while as long as um, Kleiman stays there. And then UCF just feels like a no-brainer because the recruit, recruiting, their coach, um, I think they could be absolutely one of the best teams in the league. I wanted to talk about one more thing about UCF's team that I think KU fans should know about. And it's been turning. It's been the issue of turning the ball over on offense. And that's been a huge um, emphasis from Gus Malzahn, something that obviously every team needs to fix if they're turning it over. But Talk about how big of an issue that's been. Plumlee, even himself, has had more picks than touchdown passes this year. So talk about how big of an issue turning it over has been for this offense. I mean, it's everything, right? I mean, I think offensive coordinator Darren Henshaw says the number one objective offensively, it's it's not scoring touchdowns, it's not doing this or that. It's ending every drive with a kick, okay? Whether it's a punt or a field goal or whatever, like that's at minimum. You want to, you don't want to end the drive the other way with the turnover. And I think we've kind of talked about it already. And there was like two crushing turnovers against Baylor. I, you know, I just, I, I mean, you could talk about it. You could, you could practice it, but I mean, it's, you know, will it, well, that's, I don't, we'll see, we'll see what happens on, on Saturday, but that's obviously been a huge factor. You know, there were some, there was opportunities in that Kansas state game, you know, if, you know, if they don't fumble the ball there. They don't. They don't throw the interception there. If they were able to actually score on those drives, it's a completely different game. Um, if UCF doesn't turn the ball over, and, and they, you know, both op- both times they turn the ball over against Baylor, they were you know getting in the red zone or in the red zone, and then they probably at minimal would have kicked a field goal. They would have won that game. So you can almost point to turnovers. It definitely cost them one game for sure against Baylor, and then could have. Get, I'm not. Gonna, don't get me wrong. I feel like Kansas State was the better team. I think that showed on the field, but. You know, you never know what can happen in the game. If if they hadn't have turned the ball over, they would have been in much better position to make a game of it and possibly win. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why I think the um, the three and two record and the zero and two record in the Big Twelve are pretty misleading. And there's just no reason in the world they should have lost the Baylor game. Even you said no turnovers, but one of the turnovers was literally just gifting them seven points, skipping yeah. score. So yeah, that <laughs> no, no no time off the clock at all. I mean, even if even if you fall on the ball, even if it's a if it's a turnover, but you tackle the guy and you make him drive down the field, you, you probably still win the game. I mean, they some clock, scored yeah. in no time at all. And then K-State, DJ Giddens had 30-plus rushes, 200 yards. That's a lot of time off the clock. And they still had a chance to win that game. And I think you take the roughing the passer call away. Who knows what happens? But, yeah, I think you're going to get – KU fans, you're going to get a really, I guess, hungry and desperate UCF team on Saturday, a game that they probably need to win. And UCF fans, I I still feel okay about you guys going bowling, even if you don't beat KU um, Saturday. Obviously, you guys know your schedule, but – the last five games of the year, West Virginia at home, at Cincy, Oklahoma State at home, who has been pretty stinky, at Texas Tech, and then Houston at home. So that's five winnable games. You beat KU, you're in a hell of a hell of a situation to make it to a bowl game. I think the percentages would be very high. But yeah, I, I, I think this UCF team is really underrated. I think it'll be a really good game Saturday. And you've talked about both sides of the ball. And we talked about KU a little bit. What What's your final prediction for Saturday? Well, I, I one thing that's kind of you know, it seems like the last you know, we talked about you know, UCS first two Big Twelve games they were they were kind of facing teams who in some respects the backs were against the wall maybe not as much K State but they had just lost to Missouri and they had been ranked and they, you know they were feeling really crummy about themselves like they let that game kind of you know go you know what was it I forgot how long the field it was like some crazy long field goal that two six, or yeah it was something like that so. Their backs were kind of against the wall, and they like kind of felt like that was a must-win game. And then Baylor, Baylor just kind of had a terrible start to the season. You know, fans are kind of getting on Day Aranda, kind of you know wondering if he's the answer. So this was a big pivotal game for them. Their backs were against the wall, and they 
you know, obviously took it to UCF in the fourth quarter. And so in some respects, now it's now it's UCF's kind of in that position. Their backs are against the wall. They're at a pivotal moment where they gotta, you know, they gotta try to try to do something. So I'm I'm very anxious to see how how UCF responds. Like I said, it'll be a, a big turning point, I think, for UCF season and you know, whether they can you know, get bowl eligible or do or, or better than you know. Everyone wants to go better than six and six. Can can they kind of make a run at this? If they can, if they can beat KU, I think they definitely have a shot. But if if they lose, it, it's it's that's a that's a tough locker room because you're zero three and odds are you'd be zero four with OU in a couple weeks. So this is this is a big game. It's hard to predict. You know, we don't know who's going to play quarterback for for both both schools. So I think that makes a big difference. You know. If, there's a healthy John Rice Plumley, and maybe Jalen Daniels doesn't play. You know, you can go one way. You, you, honestly, you hope both of them are, are back in, in, in full speed on, on Saturday. So, like everybody else, I'm, I'm very interested to, to see, you know, what happens this, this Saturday. Yeah, I, I, it really is a coin flip to me right now. I'm a betting man, and um, I was going to place a wager on KU earlier and just kind of thought kind of the things I've been saying. UCF's underrated. They're going to be really desperate on Saturday for a win, and if you can win this game, you move to four and two, and like you said, you get a bye, you get a whole week to prepare for OU. Malls on, drawing up crazy plays, and I, I really think it could go either way. And like you said, the six and six thing, you want to do better than that. KU's kind of facing that same thing where they went six and six last year, lost the bowl game. They want more. Haven't had a winning season since two thousand eight. So yeah, it's it's a big game for both teams. Both coming off losses and both have QB questions. I'm really interested to see how this game goes. Obviously, the first meeting between us two in the Big 12, um, and hope, obviously there's going to be a ton more. I'm so appreciative that you came on, so easy to communicate with, and you've obviously been doing this for a long time, since 1999, pretty much when UCF had just started up there. So I'm really grateful that you came on, and hopefully we have more conversations down the road, and KU and UCF are two of the better schools in the league. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Like I said, this has been a blast kind of getting to do these big 12 teams and fan bases. I've been a lot on, been on a lot of these shows and podcasts, so it's been a, a, a lot of fun for me, and uh, and thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. KU fans, show up to the booth on Saturday. It's going to be a great game no matter who's at quarterback for both teams. Two really good coaches, and um, I'm really appreciative, B. Thanks for coming on, and hopefully talk soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.